Hello and welcome to the Voice Actor Podcast. My name is Tayo and today I am here with poet, short story writer and journalist. Matteo Everett, hi. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? I'm all right. Um, yeah, there's not too much more to it. I'm actually doing okay. Um, Good to hear. So, what are we here to talk about today? We are here to talk about Ali Smith's seasonal quartets. Yeah. Uh, so could you describe what they are for the people listening who might not know? Yeah, so Ali Smith's seasonal quartets are a series of four novels that she wrote between 2016, I believe, and the last one came out earlier this year. Um, they were essentially regular installments in a series that responded in real time to the nation's reaction to Brexit. So um, Autumn got quite a lot of media attention back in 2016 because it was considered the first Brexit novel written and... Ali Smith consistently essentially broke records in terms of publishing time with these novels. Uh, so often they'll be published about three months after she had actually written them to make sure that they captured the state of the nation at the exact time that they were published. Got it. Um, so could you describe like the structure of these in terms of what is each of them called? What are the different focuses, stuff like that? Yeah, so they've got, uh, quite simple to remember, they're called Autumn, Winter, Spring and Summer release in that order um so i said that they were novels but they're not really novels in the traditional sense they're quite experimental in nature they don't really follow a story as such across the four books but as well as in the four books they're more like a series of stills into exploring different characters lives as each character kind of adjusts to the reality of brexit themselves um so each book can be read standalone, but it's more enriching if you read them all together because certain characters do actually recur throughout the four books, giving it a sense of cohesion. Got it. Um, so let's start with Autumn. Um, what are some of the standout things for you, for you from that novel? So I think the most interesting thing about Autumn was that even though it's been classified by popular reviewers and literary critics alike as the first Brexit novel, essentially. It doesn't mention the word Brexit once, um, or at least if it mentions it, it's no more than one time. Um, I think when people hear the words Brexit novel, they get a bit maybe defensive, uh, think that, you know, being as most artists are a Remainer, they might assume that Ali Smith would like kind of attack people who voted leave or attack the Brexit movement. But I think what these novels try to do, instead of actually providing some sort of explicit political or social commentary, they just really tried to capture the mood of the nation. Um, and I do think that maybe the novel's avoidance of the actual term Brexit represents in a way, the state of um, denial. The novel also tried to get at the heart of what Brexit actually meant without just being trite and banal and repeating all of the same old, you know, things that had already been said way back in 2016 about Brexit. So, so you think it provides like a more human perspective than you normally get? Uh, absolutely. I mean, if you compare it to Ian McEwan's The Cockroach, which was released around the same time, uh, maybe around a year after, I can't remember off the top of my head, but that is that was also considered one of the most significant works of Brexit literature or Brexit. 
Um, and that is an outright attack on the notion of Brexit and levers. It's a political satire that really doesn't pull any punches in its criticism of like David Cameron and the other parliamentarians in charge of overseeing the referendum and people who voted for leave. Um, and I think that's been a big problem in a lot of the post-Brexit Brexit discourse, the way that people who voted for Remain treat people who voted for leave and vice versa. And I think that Ali Smith tries her best to humanise all of her characters on a really deep level um, to at least two of the protagonists across the novels are actually leave voters. Uh, So she's not attacking anyone, but rather the quartet. The main message of the quartet, to me at least, is that we need dialogue and to reconcile different groups in society if we ever want to move past the divisions that Brexit has actually caused in the UK. Yeah. Does it completely avoid taking stances, or is it more of a... It has a position, but it's not like attacking people who don't share that same position. There's no one overriding narratorial voice who makes explicit judgment on any of the characters. Uh, So I said earlier that the books are essentially a series of stills exploring these different characters' lives. And Ali Smith, she's a very talented writer. And one of the things that she does so well is she lends portions of the book entirely to certain characters so at some point you'll be right in the mind of a leave voter and then a few chapters down the line you'll be right down uh right in the mind of a remain voter and while there is sometimes a narratorial voice the narratorial voice you might call her ali smith or you might just call her the the narrator uh does avoid passing explicit judgment I do think that overall, she lends more space to remain coded characters. At least that's my reading of it. So I think overall it is quite um, (laughs) remain oriented, but it serves to not alienate any of its readers. Got it. Okay, interesting. Um, So do you think this this book and I think the broader book is kind of like an exercise in empathy then? Oh yeah, absolutely. That's... That's a really good way to put it. So what is kind of the difference between uh, autumn and winter in terms of as novels? So I think if you read all of these books uh, and take into account when they were actually written, you can tell that if Ali Smith's goal was to capture the state of the nation as it was at the particular moment she was writing, she absolutely achieved that. Uh, Like I said, I think that there's a lot of denial running through autumn, a lot of tension. Um, it's based in a village on the coast where, you know, the narrator says quite a few times, no one's speaking to each other, Remainers aren't speaking to leavers, Brits aren't speaking to migrants, um, just society has kind of fractured in the shock. And at the same time, people are avoiding talking about Brexit explicitly, because it's such a fragile subject. Um, winter captures the mood a bit more once the reality has kind of set in of Brexit. I mean, it's a it's a very wintry novel. It's bleak. It's dark. It feels quite hopeless at points. Um, spring diverges from the Brexit theme a fair bit as it chooses to focus more on refugees. Um, 
the aftermath of the migrant crisis from a few years ago is a big theme in spring um and that might seem disconnected to brexit at first but the more you read it the more you realize that ali smith begins to portray how british attitudes might like morph towards uh migrants more broadly uh but ultimately the quarter ends on the spirit of hope summer is a very summery novel um and it can be quite bleak at times because brexit is a bleak thing but ultimately it ends on quite a nice note of reconciliation and reunion and you know it's it's no hollywood ending smith doesn't come in to say everything's going to be fine like brexit's going to be not as bad as we thought but it shows that the spirit of um like communication between people still exists and suggests that maybe society is starting to kind of heal the divisions that yeah. Brexit kind of made. Do you think, yeah, so I think there's a lot of like um, media and like writing and general art, I guess, around Brexit that kind of talks about division in like a really ambiguous way. Um, and sometimes I think it's because people, sometimes I think it's like genuinely not understanding. Sometimes I think it's very cynically avoiding the issues. But do you feel, does, do you feel like Ali Smith like ad- specifically addresses the lines on which people are divided? Or does she kind of leave it as this kind of ambiguous thing? So I used the phrase earlier, uh, remain coded. And the reason I said remain coded rather than remain voters is because very few of the characters ever explicitly state their political stance. Um, So when I say remain coded or leave coded, I'm bringing in my own assumptions about people as well. Um, But I think Ali Smith does a great job of like showing their political beliefs. And I think that this is quite an important point as well, because it's easy to just categorize people as like remainers or leavers without actually going into detail about what that entails or like, you know, Brexit was such a multifaceted thing that you could support leaving the EU for some reasons, but be against it for other reasons, etc. So by not explicitly mentioning the character's viewpoints in general terms, Ali Smith definitely, you know, kind of uh, plays into that sense of empathy she's going for as she wants us to understand the characters rather than labels attached to them. But it's, you know, the idea that people uh, stopped communicating based on their political stances is absolutely there. I mean, there are cases of in spring a couple breaks up because a remain-coded person thinks that their partner has absolutely no empathy whatsoever. Um, There are cases of families fracturing on political lines. So even though she never states who's on whose team explicitly, the idea that politics can divide even families is absolutely there. Yeah. So they've got like, I, I, I guess it's like, uh, I haven't read this, but something that seems at least more interesting, uh, because I think there is a thing with a lot of like discussions of Brexit, especially when they come from certain perspectives that end up being really flat and just not, saying much but i think there's something there to being like okay these people have these very specific politics and these specific reasons for wanting what they do and like having these specific desires 
Um, you've talked a bit about the novel novels being experimental. Could you go more into that? Like, how are they experimental? So it's difficult to talk about how these specific novels are experimental, uh, besides from the fact that they were written and published insanely quickly. Um, like we're talking about, okay, so I'm just going to, this is going to be a bit of a tangent, but just to give you a sense of how quickly they are written, uh, Summer, the last book in the series, was, re- was released in autumn this year, uh, sorry, August this year, and the novel deals quite explicitly with the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, you know, I think Ali Smith finished her draft in March. So that just, you know, usually it takes over a year for a book to be published after it's written. So Ali Smith's ambition to kind of capture the state of the nation really exactly as it was at that moment is experimental in itself. Uh, But I think a lot of the more experimental aspects of the form of the novels themselves are less to do with the seasonal quartets and more to do with Ali Smith's unique writing style. They follow very closely the lives of individuals. Um, you, You get an amazing sense of interiority. Ali Smith sort of like effortlessly portrays the minds of a multitude of different characters rather than just following one character throughout and failing to tap into their psyche. Um, but the novels also flit between hyperrealism and some moments of surrealism, which I think was just a, a smart and neat trick to kind of capture the surreal notion of Brexit. Um, I think even now that it's, you know, I believe tonight, today was the day that Boris Johnson went to Brussels to do a last minute talk or whatever, but even as the consequences of it are on the brink, it's kind of hard to, you know, fully comprehend what Brexit means. So the surrealism in the novels kind of capture that sense of no one really knows what's going on. It's kind of hard to believe that we are in this hellscape that we are in. Um, Do you think that the speed at which they're written is evident in the book? Like, not in terms of, obviously it's evident in terms of it's talking about things which happened a few months ago, but in terms of, like, do you think that speed has affected the quality of them, for better or for worse? I don't think so, but it's it's always going to be hard to tell with things like this. Um, I mean, Ali Smith is a very accomplished writer anyway. But the only way I could actually answer that definitively were if she were to write them again with more time. Um, They definitely don't feel weak or lacklustre in any sort of way. Um, I think out of all of them, Autumn feels the strangest and that like none of them really have a plot, so to speak of. But Autumn seems to have the least plot of any of them. Um, And I do think that might have been a case of Ali Smith finding her feet with this experiment. At the same time, it might be a purposeful commentary on no one knows what is happening. And, you know, a kind of like postmodern take on the idea that all narratives have come to an end with something that just seemed so impossible. Um, But honestly, I... I'll openly admit to be 
to being an Ali Smith super fan, so you won't hear me <laughs> saying a bad word about her anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, more broadly beyond these specific novels, um, what do you think about the general... You've talked about Brexit and like general artistic responses to Brexit. How do, what do you think of them? Do you think they've been good? Do you think it's been lackluster? Like, what's your kind of view on them? From what you've seen? I think that a lot of responses to Brexit have lacked any sort of nuance. Um, even with writers who you would expect to be better at portraying nuance, like Ian McEwan, um, to circle back to his novella The Cockroach. I mean, that was funny as a political satire, and you could you could strain it to a sense that, you know, you could you could argue that it's a satire of satires and it's providing a commentary on how Remainers aren't empathetic, but it it's just not true. Like, it's just very <laughs> one note. Um, so I think that is what the seasonal court... I mean, like, you know, Brexit is one of the most significant things that's happened in the UK since maybe the act of union in the 18th century, I don't know, for a very long time. So there's going to be, you know, lots of like Brexit and art responding to Brexit around for a long time. Uh, But I think that the seasonal quartets won't be buried in any of this noise because it does such a great job at portraying empathy when an argument for empathy is like sorely needed. Um, It stands out from the crowd because it essentially says, like, we're not going to make the situation any better by splitting the country in two. Yeah, um, and I think, apart from the thing I've said before about, like, it giving people actual politics as opposed to just kind of really aligning them on these two things like it means something, I think one thing that I find, from I know obviously about this, but... um a lot of post-Brexit art about Brexit tends not to have the systemic analysis um, in the sense of there is a reason why people were very angry in 2016. Like, it's mm. not it's not just appeared out of nowhere and it's not just a result of English racism because, again, a lot of people wanted to remain for very racist reasons. So <laughs> you can't put it down to one thing. It's like there's so many systemic reasons why and how, like, the ways in which, essentially, working-class people have been squeezed constantly in this country for decades, if not longer. Like, and I think a lot of post-Brexit art basically ignores that to make it a really flat narrative about one side versus the other, and and it's like, as you were saying, there's no sense of nuance, there's not really a sense of we're actually saying anything particularly interesting we're just kind of making it like a football match which Mm. seems pointless yeah uh absolutely i mean it's you know i i mean i'm uh i was a staunch remainer and then i was a staunch supporter of a second referendum and my family's from mainland europe um but it's hard to not feel disenchanted by seeing what some of these like middle class artists slash writers have said about Brexit and 
it's been quite disillusioning for me as well. Uh, I mean, I, I hate terms like, you know, Ramona's, stuff like that. It doesn't help anything. It's it's a ridiculous term. Um, but I've definitely grown to empathise more with Brexit voters since, well, since doing more research myself, but also the seasonal quartets kind of opened my eyes up more to why other people uh, voted for Brexit. That is dealt with quite well in the books themselves. Um, I mean, some of the characters in the quartet might be said to be overly simplistic stereotypes, but it follows so many characters, um, and most of them are quite sophisticated with quite a lot of depth. Uh, Spring in particular follows this woman called, conveniently, Brit, um, who's leave-coded, and a significant portion of the novel is dedicated to explaining that she voted leave, or we think that she voted leave, because she feels like she's been ignored by the middle classes and the middle class media for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, do you, this is kind of almost moving on from this, but do you think that novels are an effective way of like documenting a political moment? Because that's kind of what these these novels seem to do, right? Yes, I would say that novels are probably the most effective way, form of art that we have to capture people's psyche. You can paint a picture of, you know, post-Brexit Britain. Uh, you might have two people standing on a different side of a fence, or I don't know, what, whatever kind of symbol the artist wants to come up with. Um, and you can read their thoughts and their facial expressions to some extent. But I would say the seasonal quartet's virtues are in and of themselves and not because they are novels. And I think that they managed to achieve what they did and achieve it so well because they moved away from the traditional novel format. Um, If this was just like a quadrology or a series in the traditional sense in that it followed like one character's lives across four books, then it wouldn't have been effective in nearly the same way because by necessity it would have only been able to explore kind of one character. Um, I mean, you know, like if we talk about political fiction or historical fiction as well, there's such broad genres that there's always going to be good books in there and bad books in there. Um, I've not read all of the Brexit novels out there. I'm sure that some are terrible in their portrayal of the state of the nation. So to to answer your question after that tangent, uh, yes, novels can be, but also it depends on the strength of the novel itself. Yeah. Um, I think that's a good place to bring it to a close. So if people wanted to find you online, find your work, um, stuff like that, where would they go and what apps or websites or anything like that would they find you at? So I am on Twitter at at Teo underscore Eve underscore. So that's at T-E-O underscore E-V-E underscore. And there I share my journalism that I do for voice and I share my poets and short, my poets, my (laughs) poems and short stories. Yeah, um, and I will put all that stuff in the um, description so you can go there, find that. It's good stuff. Go follow. Fantastic. Thank you for having me. No worries. Um, so, today's episode was made possible by Voice Magazine, an online platform for young people interested in art and culture. 
You can read voice over at voicemail.uk and find it on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook as at voicemail.uk. The voice contributors also have our own Instagram account at voice.extra. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider helping us to make more with a donation of any amount at voicemail.uk slash donate. And if you can't donate financially, please share it with your friends, word of mouth, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, whatever. Um, tell your friends, tell anyone, basically. Uh, that'll really help. And also, five-star reviews or whatever star, but preferably five, on um, whatever app you use really helps. If you're looking for another podcast to listen to, the Voice Magazine podcast has weekly interviews with artists and leaders in the creative sector. Thank you to Kevin McLeod for letting us use the track Shaving Mirror. You can find more of his work on Incompetech.com. And Tom Ennis, Ennis was the executive producer of this podcast. So we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.